Welcome to RiseCast, Episode 3. Uh, the title of this one, we are, uh, we're going to call it uh, Intent versus Intentional. Uh, basically, we're going to be going deeper into the topic of uh, being more intentional. Uh, and as well, uh, one, of, uh, one of Connie's pet peeves, the uh, I'll pray for you response. So uh, let's get this podcast on the roll. Uh, welcome, Connie. Hello. Hello. Um, well, we mentioned that one of your pet peeves is uh, the I'll pray for you. Is that right? Yes. Well, I don't know how much more I can lead into that one, so uh, I'll leave that one with you. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big believer in prayer. I, I'm a faithful prayer warrior for people, for people who ask for prayer. But one of my pet peeves is the um, quintessential Christian expression, I'll pray for you. Well, how can that be bad? I mean, aren't we supposed to pray for each other? We are. In fact, one of the things that um, we've tried to teach members of our church is instead of saying, I'll pray for you, turn it into the verbiage of, let's pray. Can we pray together right now? So tell me, how does that wrap up into... Intent versus intentional. Okay. So your intent, when you hear someone's having problems or having issues, as a follower of Jesus, the first thing you want to do is you want to raise it up to our Heavenly Father and you want to pray about it. Jesus was the perfect example of any time there was an issue, he was tired. He, he was constantly in communication with his Heavenly Father. And so that's what he's taught us. We need to be in constant communication with him, especially when we encounter a situation that is out of our control, where we can send up prayers that allows God to be involved in whatever situation. So intent, meaning your intention, your intentions are good. You want to pray for this person. You want to help this person by lifting it up to our Heavenly Father and allowing Him to, um, it gives Him an avenue to work in a situation where maybe He hasn't before, because obviously we have choice. And so if this person has never made the, the, hasn't actively made the choice to allow God to be in the mix of things and in the midst of their issues, when you pray for them, it gives Him an avenue to work. Now, when we say, I'll pray for you, how often, and I'm going to be honest here, how often do we actually fervently pray for that person? And so one way of being intentional is when you encounter someone who needs prayer, um, just sitting with them, listening to them, not listening with the the idea of waiting to respond, but actually listening and hearing them out and then saying, all right, let's lift this up to our Heavenly Father right now. So what you're saying is some of our prayer warriors out there may not be so intentional. I'm not 
trying to throw anyone under the proverbial bus, but it's just a reminder that when we say, I'll pray for you, maybe instead of saying, I'll pray for you, say, let's pray about this right here, right now. This is an opportunity for us to come together. As the Bible says, where three or more are gathered there, the Lord will be also. So it's an opportunity not only for you to be intentional about praying for that person right then and there and actually making sure that you're laying the groundwork for um, that prayer warrior intentional side of you to work, but it's also a witnessing to the individual that you're praying to as well. Maybe the individual that you're praying with doesn't know how to pray Maybe they're not comfortable with prayer. Maybe they see you as a person that's not necessarily bold, but in Christ you go forward with boldness. You never know what kind of witnessing, what a witnessing tool prayer can be. Um, and when you are intentional and you're actually you're with that person and you're praying, if that person starts to see revelations and things opening up and doors opening for them, you never know how that one moment where you took the time to actually pray with that person could really have made an impact on them. So basically, this is the proverbial beggar. And so instead of saying, I see your needs, I'm going to write you a check, you're just giving them the 20 bucks on the spot. Absolutely. Or not even the $20, but actually going and buying physical food and feeding them. So that would be being intentional in evangelism. Absolutely. Not just saying you're going to do something, but actually following through with it right then and there. Well, now that we're on this topic of uh, intent versus intentional, how, how can we be intentional? Well, the first thing is committing our lives to the Lord and once again, going back to surrendering to him, because once we surrender to Jesus and once we have a relationship with him, when we read about Jesus in the Bible, it says that he was moved with compassion. He couldn't help but do it. And so when we are aligned with our heavenly father, he instills that in us. It's, it's a burden he allows that our hearts to feel that we just go forward and just do it. It's like you don't even have to think about it. For instance, today, we were at a restaurant and someone dropped their debit card. And instead of seeing the debit card and kind of, if you could imagine like the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other, like what you see in cartoons, <laughs> and they're kind of bickering back and forth. And they're like, oh, you should take the debit card. And the other is like, no, 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 that's stealing. When you're aligned with the Heavenly Father, you just, you see the debit card and you're like, oh, I need to turn that in. It's intentional. You know, when you are living a life of being a follower of Jesus and wanting to lay your own life down and living for him and allowing you to decrease and him to increase, things just... I mean, we still struggle with things, but I'd like to think that there are some things that just naturally become easier. For instance, when we saw that debit card on the ground of the restaurant, our first instinct was to pick it up and turn it in. It wasn't even a, 
What should we do with this? You just automatically knew what was right. And you didn't have to fight with, well, I could do this and maybe I wouldn't get caught. And it was just, you just know what the right thing to do is. You're intentional about it. Um, okay, so, you know, obviously with anything, we need to make sure that uh, we're right with God. Um, you know, without having that relationship with Jesus, we don't have that light in us, you know, that conscience, you know, as as you put it, you know, you don't have to have the red man on one shoulder versus the, the white angel on the other shoulder. You basically just have, you know, the conscience of God. So now how do we go about being intentional? You know, our, our, the first step, obviously, is being intentional with God. How do we be intentional with, with our fellow man? Well, without, before I go into the, some of the things that we have come up with and just a few pointers on how to be intentional, um, you have to be able to relate to people. And being intentional, you have to kind of, you know, without sounding cliche, put yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, you have to put yourself aside and think about what this person is going through. Kind of put yourself in their shoes and try and feel their feelings and their emotions and try and see how they are, are seeing things from their angle. Um, it's really important to try and relate to people. I mean, Jesus was relational. He, he would sit and he would listen with people and he would hear their grievances and he wouldn't just heal, he would hear them out um, and he was there. He was present. Um, so the first thing you need to do is just be present for people. When they need someone, don't just cast them aside. Jesus didn't cast people aside he was there for them. He was there in person. And he spent time with people. I mean, we, we read in the Bible about how he was so involved and he was so present that there were times he had to leave and pray to his heavenly, heavenly Father. He was tired. Um, and he just needed that communion with God. And so just try and, you know, first and foremost pray to the Lord that he puts people in your past, that he prepared our path, a path, um, that he prepares your heart and anoints your lips for the things that you need to say and um, just be present. And then once you are in a situation where the Lord is calling you to be intentional, um, one of the first things that you do, like, for instance, if they need prayer, um, you pray with them right then and there, and you continue to pray for them. You be in a, you're in a season of prayer where you're fervently praying for them. Um, you know, one of the things that we learned from, if anyone has seen the movie The War Room, and she wrote all the prayers in a notebook or on sticky notes and put them on the walls of her prayer room, um, and this was something that I had noticed in my life that when we instituted a prayer room, I would write on sticky notes certain prayers of people and pray. I would go into my war room and I would get on my knees and go to war. And on the sticky notes, I would write the prayers. But I would keep those sticky notes. 
And once the prayer was answered, I would place it in a different area and then use that as a, as a praise. So now you take that prayer and you turn it into a praise. You keep it in your prayers and you, and you just pray to the Lord, you know, if there's anything else that this person needs, you know, you continue. It, it's just, it's an ongoing thing. You don't just stop. You know, you pray with them and then you're like, okay, they're good. No, you bathe situations in prayers. And then once that prayer is answered, you move it into a praise and you say, Lord, I saw you do this and I saw you answer this prayer. And so you lift it up as a praise. It's, it's, it's basically the conditioning. We need to condition ourselves to be intentional, um, not only in our prayer life, but relationally with other people. The second step is, well, another thing is, is if there's a physical need, if you meet, like for instance, when we're out evangelizing and passing out, you know, we're doing literature evangelism, a lot of times we come across homeless people. And so we'll, we'll sit there and we'll talk with them and, and hear them out and, and intentionally pray with them right then and there. And then one of the things we like to do is ask them if they're hungry or if they have any, um, and needs that need to be met at that moment. Um, one thing that I'm going to get into in a little bit is um, a girl named Ashley and, and hearing what her needs were. And when someone has a physical need, sometimes that physical need needs to be met first before you can work any farther with that person. So if you meet a homeless person and they're hungry, just something as simple as, going and and buying a meal for them and bringing it back with them and and sitting there and talking with them while they eat their meal and just filling that physical need along with meeting spiritual needs. Sometimes the spiritual need doesn't come right away. Sometimes it has to be the tangible. It has to be, you know, they're hungry. Well, sometimes a person's not willing to hear what you have to say about the Lord because right now all they can hear is their stomach growling. So I, I think possibly the best way to put it into a couple of words is just have a sense of urgency. Absolutely. After that, um, just following up with the person of like what I had said about the war room and when you write down their prayers, when you're praying for this person, go back to them the next day or a few days later and just ask them, hey, how are things going? You know, how are you seeing the Lord working in your situation? And a lot of times people have come back and said, you won't believe it. The Lord did this for me and the Lord opened this door and the Lord answered this prayer. And so you just continue to, it helps you to have follow up with that person. It's not just a love bomb where you prayed with them and you're like, okay, I'm going to continue to pray for you. And then you just kind of leave them in your dust. It's continuing that relationship. It's friendship evangelism. It's calling them back being intentional about following up with them and building a friendship through that. And once you continue to keep that line of communication open, they'll see that you actually care. That's the main crux of this is actually care about people. Like don't just do things because the Lord has called you to do it or you want to be a good person. We're not 
good. We're not inherently good. It's the it's the Heavenly Father living in us. It's our Lord living in us. And so it's just allow him to live in you and actually care about people. That's where it starts. Love bomb? Is, is that a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think of how many times that, you know, I can speak from our own experience. We've done evangelism and it's like, drive-by evangelism you know you do something nice and you pat yourself on the back and then people don't hear from you again well what have you really done you some you in a lot of in a lot of ways do more harm than good when you do that it's almost along the lines of uh teach a man to fish yes so the same thing with evangelism if you just go by and throw him a couple of bucks what's that going to do for him in the long run right him or her we're not, we're not sexist on the show <laughs> okay so we have uh one have a sense of urgency and two follow up with the person uh just to kind of see how things are going so uh you know what's uh what, what's your three-step plan here um without even like moving any farther um when the person comes back and says you know, you they give you do the follow up, and they're like, "Oh, the Lord is doing this, and the Lord is doing this." Just continue to. I don't mean to use the word conditioning, but it's um, positive reinforcement of, yes, that is the Lord, because you never want the person to look at you as their savior. You know, I'm happy to be a prayer warrior for people and to be intentional about praying with someone, but I never want them to look at me like, "Oh, it's you." It's you're the one who's doing the praying. And so it's because of you that my prayers are being answered. That's not it at all. It's just you're the vessel. And so if you can just be that vessel that just goes out and, and does these things, always be sure that the Lord is giving is given 100% credit for that, that you are constantly, you know, just lifting up his name and praise Um and pointing it back to him. And when someone says, you know, thank you so much for what you did, you you know, like, you just remind them, all, all praise and glory goes to our Heavenly Father. You know, I'm, I'm humbled to have been able to do that for you, but let's just remember where our help truly comes from. So the next step is um, kind of what I had talked about before, listen to understand, don't listen to respond. You know, how many times have we sat there and we we listened to someone and we were just waiting to just get in there and say what we wanted to say? Um, Sometimes I've seen this, like especially at Sabbath school, where people will say something and either the Sabbath school teacher or someone in the classroom will listen, but they're listening with the intent to respond, not necessarily to to just listen to the person or even to, you know, just thank them for their opinion. Um, one of the, uh, the examples of that is, um, as some of you know, we've had an atheist attend our Sabbath school classes and attend church. And when he speaks, a lot of people want to just respond to him because obviously he doesn't believe in God. And so one of the important things is just listening and hearing him out and saying, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from and thank you for um, just having, thank you for sharing. 
basically. Um, but just making sure to keep those lines of communications open because when you listen to respond and you're just kind con- you know, you're throwing back Bible verses, like someone's got this going on in their life and you're like, oh, I've got the perfect Bible verse for that. And I, it's kind of like you're telling the person, I know how to fix you. And that's not what it is at all. We're not the fixer. We're not the, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to love and to instruct when the heaven or when our, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to, when he gives us the opportunity to, and when he tells us to. Um, and so for instance, like when, when you and I, Josh, when we're talking, if you are telling me about an issue that you're having at work, let's say I, I listen and I'm like, well, you should hear about the day that I had. Is that helping? No. <laughs> or let's say you come home and you're telling me about that, but I'm playing on my phone or I'm cooking dinner. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Is that helpful? No, because it just seems like you're ignoring me at that point. Or if you come home and you tell me about the issues you're having at work and I listen and I'm like, well, what did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? You know, the Bible says this. Does that help? Absolutely not. (laughs) At that point, I'm venting and I just want to be heard. Not necessarily to, uh, as you put it, be fixed. Right, exactly. Now, there are times when, you know, you do come across an individual who is complaining all the time. And that's when you have to ask the Lord for help in that situation because you do want to um, be a positive encouragement in their life and point them to truth and not have them constantly pointed to the falsehoods that Satan is trying to point out in their life or what's wrong. and um, But when it's an individual that maybe doesn't necessarily groan all the time or someone that you're just meeting for the first time, it's important to just listen and hear them out and listen and actually take those words that they're saying to you and and kind of chew on those a little bit, listen to them and and while you're listening to them, I, I don't know if anyone else does this, but when someone is speaking and I'm listening to them, a lot of times the Lord, he makes this, it just seems impossible to me, but I know with the Lord it is possible. He's able to take that moment where I can still listen to them, but be in communication with him where I'm like, Lord, just help me to hear this person out and if there is something that you need to say to them help me to say it in the most loving way possible and if i'm not meant to say anything help me to be be quiet and be reserved and just and hold back um it's basically just the leading of the holy spirit but the biggest crux of it is just listen to understand don't listen to respond well, I think that uh, that gives us our, uh, our our three steps here. Um, you know, just kind of to summarize what Connie was saying here, you know, ways how to be intentional is well, first and foremost, be right with God. Uh, you know, and that's a good life lesson, I guess, for anything, because you know, with without having yourself right with God, uh, the rest is just a train wreck. But uh, you know, once once you have that under control. 
um, have a sense of urgency with people. You know, if they have a problem, they want to know that you care. They want to know that uh, that you're willing to do something about it right then and there. Not, uh, I'll, I'll send you a check or, you know, I'll pray for you and forget it five minutes later. Um, f- number number two would be uh, follow up with the person. Uh, you know, especially after you've you've stopped, you've prayed with them on the spot, you've you've given them a meal. You know, follow up with them, see how they're doing, and show them that you actually do care, that you just haven't forgotten about them. And uh, and as well, uh, listen to understand. Uh, and not to respond. Um, you know, I, I think those are three pretty good bullet points that, uh, you know, not only dealing with uh, in an evangelistic sense, but just how you deal with people on, in everyday life. You know, as they say, be real. Yes, absolutely. Just be present, be there. Well, I, I think, you know, now is time for uh, as uh, the, the object lesson. So, you know, just to kind of uh, uh, preface here is, you know, Connie was involved with uh, Sound the Alarm Ministries. Uh, they came to our church. Um, January. In, in the middle of January uh, and wanted to uh, uh, do some literature evangelism, pass out books in Gainesville and Atlanta. And uh, on one instance, when they went down to Atlanta, uh, they were, uh, was it Midtown? We were outside of Five Points. Outside of Five Points. And, uh, you know, Connie in the humanitarian uh, that she is was going uh, person to person, seeing if they were hungry, uh, how they could be fed. And uh, with that, I'll uh, let uh, Connie talk about Ashley. Um, just real quick, it's, I wouldn't say the humanitarian in me, it's just Jesus, um, living in me. I don't mean to say just Jesus, but he's the humanitarian, but, um, he gets all the glory for that. But yeah, um, Nikki and I, Nikki was one of the ladies from Sound the Alarm Missionaries. Um, and Nikki and I paired up and, Within 10 minutes of starting to do the literature evangelism, now let me preface it with when we went down to Atlanta and we were down at Five Points, um, if anyone who has been down to the Five Points right across the street from the MARTA station, where the MARTA train station is, um, it's a high population of homeless people, of drug addicts, of um, people who are without a job. Um, it's, how do I say this without, it's almost like they're just kind of walking around hopeless is kind of the feeling that you get in five points. At least that's how it was that Sabbath. Um, so we are walking around and we had this box of books with us and we were passing out the great controversy that we were passing out steps of Christ and national Sunday law in English and Spanish um, and as we were walking down the street, people saw that we were passing out books and they wanted to know how much for the books. And we're like, they're free. And so people were taking whatever they could get. They were hungry for truth. They were hungry for, for love. They were just, they were very open to receiving any kind of information that they could get, which is amazing because across the street, 
from us, there were um, Hebrew Israelites. Now, for anyone who is not familiar with Hebrew Israelites, they do not believe in Jesus. Okay, they believe um, basically in, from what I can understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the Pentateuch, so the first five books of the Bible, um, but they do not, they believe that Jesus is quote unquote the white man's God. And so across the street from us is the Hebrew Israelites, and they are just spewing hatred. Um, they're very pro violence, at least this group was um, just very um, aggressive in what they were doing. And on the other side are these this group of Adventists that are walking around and just smiling at people and saying, hey, how are you today? You know, can I offer you a free book? How are you doing? And just talking with people and praying with people. Um, and when we were walking, we met Ashley. Ashley, at the time, um, when we walked up to her, she was smoking a cigarette and she kept apologizing um, for smoking in front of us. And she informed us that she was two and a half months pregnant. Um, so we, we kind of walked off to the side of the sidewalk. We were talking with Ashley. We gave her some literature. Um, we were just talking to her and she was, she was telling us about us, about her pregnancy, that she was homeless. She had just lost her job and she's living on the streets of Atlanta. Um, she was talking about going to live with either her mom or her dad, but the relationship with her family was um, not the best. She had felt deserted by her entire family, by her friends. Um, and Ashley was just in a really, really dark place. Um, she had tears in her eyes when she was talking with us. And, you know, I, I just, my heart went out to her because... Here is this 28-year-old pregnant woman, homeless and hopeless. And so, you know, we're talking with her. We prayed with her on the spot, talking about being intentional. We, we heard um, her grievances and we prayed with her. And then the Lord impressed upon me to ask her if she was hungry. And for anyone who will ever meet Ashley, she doesn't take help very easily. Um, she's, she's independent. She really doesn't want to ask for help unless she absolutely needs it. And she, um, apprehensively was, she's kind of looking around and I was like, no, really, Ashley, are you hungry? And she said, yes, I'm hungry. So it's like, all right, let's go get you something to eat. What do you want? And of all things, she said, I just want a salad. Salad is one of my favorite things to eat. I just want a salad. And um, so we walked down the street to McDonald's. That was the closest thing that had a salad, but the McDonald's was closed. And she's like, well, that's all right. You know, you guys, I know you guys are busy passing out these books and I don't want to get in your way anymore of doing the Lord's work. And we're like, no, we're going to get you something to eat. So then we walked across the street and um, a block away was a Burger King. And so we went inside the Burger King and got Ashley a salad and sat down with her while she ate her salad and we just we just talked with her we just listened to what she had to say and um, along the way I took notes and of course I took down her phone number she had two different phone numbers that I could call her 
I took down her phone number and we just talked about life and um, just whatever we could and, and just shared with her of like why we were doing what we were doing. She was wondering um, why we were passing out these books and what, you know, what these books were all about. And so we just shared with her and um, then we prayed with Ashley again one more time before we departed. And then um, a few weeks later, I texted Ashley to see, actually, it wasn't a few weeks. It was the very next week. I texted Ashley to see how she was doing. And Ashley was not doing very well. Um, In fact, she had reached out to me first, but that's the week that I was down with the flu and I was not responding to anyone. So I, while I was in bed um, and really couldn't do much of anything, I texted Nikki, who was with me when we were... um, ministering to Ashley and I said hey you know I have the flu I'm sick in bed I'm pretty much useless right now could you please just call Ashley or text Ashley and minister to her right now she needs someone so Nikki did that Um, and then I as soon as I was better I called Ashley to see how she was doing and she was in an even worse situation than when I met her at five points she was now living with her mom Um, Their relationship is very dysfunctional. Um, It's a very dysfunctional situation with her entire family. Um, They keep telling her to have an abortion. um, And it's, you know, she's told that she's worthless. She is basically just abandoned. She feels very alone. Um, She's thankful for the roof that she has over her head, but she knows that it's not... um, a safe or healthy environment for her to be living in. She's very stressed out, which is not a situation a pregnant woman should be in. And so um, as I was talking with Ashley, I was at work and I took a break and we're outside and and she's just pouring her heart out to me and I just listened and and she kept apologizing. I was like, Ashley, no, that's what that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to listen to you and just hear you out and um you know, I'd said is, can I pray for you? And this was the one thing that she said that took me back. She's like, you know, you can pray for me all you want, but you know, I don't, I don't really know how prayer is going to help me in the situation that I'm in right now, because she was in such dire straits. And so that just, you know, when someone says something, it just kind of takes you back. Like, you're right. You know, you do need more than prayer right now. And so that just goes back to um, this whole story is just kind of that realization of intent versus intentional and how to be intentional. Um, and so the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask her, you know, is there anything that I can do for you right now? And she had mentioned she needed to go to a doctor's appointment. And Ashley lives in Oakwood City, which is on the southern side of Atlanta, um, just north of the airport. And she was telling me that she had a doctor's appointment at um, at the hospital and she didn't have anyone to take her. And so the Lord was like, you know what you need to do. And so... Well, I mean, that's a that's an easy 15-minute drive for you, isn't it? <laughs> I wish. I wish. But, you know... Um, the Lord prompted me to to say to her, I'll take you to your doctor's appointment. When is your doctor's appointment? And she's like, it's on 
you know, next Wednesday. And I was like, okay, just um, text me what time is your appointment. Um, and if you can, text me as soon as possible and I'll, you know, work it out with my boss, which is my father-in-law, but I didn't tell her that. Um, but I just said, I'll work it out at work where I can come and, and get you and pick you up. And she did. She texted me. And even that morning that I, or the day of that I was supposed to head down there and pick her up, you know, she's like, are you still coming? And, you know, that's the thing is I can tell that she's been burned before that people have said, you know, I'll do this for you. And and they haven't, they haven't followed through. Um, And it's on a good day, a 50 minute drive from work to Oakwoods or Oakland or yeah, Oakland City. Um, but I ended up being stuck on 285 for a good 20 minutes. Luckily, I left when I did. The Lord prompted me like, you need to leave right now. Sure enough, there was an accident on, excuse me, it was on 85. Three lanes of traffic shut down. But you know what, Josh, you know me. I do not like traffic, especially Atlanta traffic. But the Lord just gave me this peace when I was sitting in traffic. And the only thing I cared about was I didn't want Ashley to be late for her doctor's appointment. And so the Lord got me there on time. I picked her up and she was so excited to see me. Like when I walked up to the door, she was just, there was just this expression on her face. She was just happy to see someone, you know, and someone be there for her. So I took her to um, the hospital and I dropped her off at the front door, went and I parked in the parking garage and she went up to the office and checked in and they called her back right away. And so she starts heading back and she turns around. She looks at me. I had already taken a seat in the waiting room in the common area. And she looked at me and she's like, are you going to come in with me? And I was like, sure, I'll come in, you know. So I go into the uh, the examination room with her and um, the doctor's asking, you know, the, the normal questions that you ask. And um, we're just kind of giving her some, once again, that positive reinforcement, like you can do this, you'll be okay, you know, um, you're in good hands here. And her doctor looks at her and she's like, you know, who's, who's this person that, with you're, that you're with? And Ashley looked at me and she goes, this is my friend, Connie. And it was at that moment, besides hearing her baby's heartbeat, her baby is, she's now at 16 weeks, um, besides hearing her baby's heartbeat, that was one of my favorite moments from that day, was just hearing her say, this is my friend Connie. This is someone that I met once before, we've talked a few times on the phone, but just being there for her meant the world to her. Because everyone, as she has even said, has just walked away. So this wasn't a, as you put it before, love bomb, the, uh, the dine and dash. Uh, th- this was a continuing thing that, you know, you were able to minister to uh, a complete stranger, just showing love not only once, but being intentional about it and, you know, driving, what, an hour and a half through, uh, through Atlanta traffic, it, you know, and, and for any of those that are listening outside of Atlanta, it, if you drive through Atlanta traffic, it, it's you might as well be driving through hell. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely maddening. 
it's but not fun. It's, it's not, not fun. fun. <laughs> but uh, but in order to to drive through traffic just to take someone to a simple doctor's appointment just made made the world for her. Yeah. And that's that's the that's Project Rise. That's what Project Rise is all about. Just once again, you know, you're just you're doing everyday things, but you're doing it in the name of an extraordinary God. Like, and the only reason I'm even talking about this is not because I want some kind of pat on the back. It's just, it's an example of how you can be there for someone, even though there's so much more I wish I could do for Ashley, but I can't. But I know that I can place her in the hands of an amazing God that we serve. And he will take care of her. And he's going to use me in the midst of things and and things that he is able to use me in. And I pray he's able to use others. Um, One of the things that I'm looking forward to doing is um, getting in touch with a church that's near her, an Adventist church that can hopefully give her some resources and and help her to get back on her feet. Um, The thing about Ashley, like once again, she, she doesn't ask for help very easily and so with her it's basically giving her the resources that she needs um, and just kind of giving her that little bit of boost and I have no doubt in my mind that Ashley will take care of Ashley Um, and she's also she's I pray that she is just learning that this is who Jesus is you know because her she talked about her grandmother and her grandmother um, runs a church but her grandmother runs a church and it's basically just a business. And that's how she feels. It's all about money. And I'm like, how sad is that? Her grandmother is involved in a church, but Ashley is in the situation that she's in. It's just, it doesn't make sense. You know, her her own family is involved in a church, but yet Ashley is still in this situation. And, you know, I don't know what Ashley's backstory is and, you know, I, Ashley has admitted there are things along the way that she has messed up on. But, you know, I, I believe that everyone deserves grace. Um, and so I just pray that the Lord uses people continually in Ashley's path to just lead her back to him. Um, and that she can see that it's him working in her life and doing these things for her. And it's not me. It's not anyone else who is in her path. He's just using us. But that it's ultimately him that is reaching out to her and and showing her love. And I, th- I think, you know, you hit it on the head. That's That's Project Rise. That's reaching individuals through servant evangelism. And I think the whole thing that, you know, both Connie and I have stressed within, you know, the the churches that we've been involved with is that evangelism doesn't need to be a seminar. It doesn't need to be handing out books. It doesn't need to be going door to door. It's simple people doing extraordinary things fr- through an extraordinary God. You know, it doesn't take rocket science to reach people. All it takes is intent. Right. Being intentional. And you know, that's that's the crux is is and then keep following up with people. Make friends. That that's what that's what we're we're called to do. 
the Bible calls them disciples, but it's it, it's make friends. Go out and make friends and lead them to Jesus. Yeah, and teach them how, you know, it's not just making disciples, it's making disciples who are going to make more disciples. It's a continuing process. You know, and, and the thing, another important thing is, um, and something that I wanted to talk about, and it's something that the Lord impressed upon my heart, is as I'm sitting at Grady and I see so many young girls and I listen to Ashley talk and, you know, Ashley has been told time and time again, you know, you can't raise a baby on the streets. You're homeless. You don't even have a roof over your head. You don't have a job. Um, how are you going to raise this baby? You should just have an abortion. And um, and just talking about abortion real quick. And as as a Christian, obviously, I am pro-life. Um, I believe that, you know, every child should have a chance at life. But at the same time, and here's the but, is that when people like Ashley come into the situation that we're in, you know, how many times do they feel that that's basically their only option is an abortion? And what I mean by that is, is as Christians, maybe instead of pushing for laws that ban abortion, and I know that this is very extreme for some people, especially if you are very conservative. Um, are we going to cross the political boundary? I just, it's not so much a political thing as it is just being the hands and feet of Jesus. If you are against abortion... Instead of, let me just run this past you, instead of being for laws that ban abortion, be a part of the change. And what I mean by that is when I see Ashley and I see that, you know, abortion would be the easy way out. Instead of me saying, you shouldn't have an abortion, you shouldn't have an abortion, that's, that's murder, I can do what I can as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian to support her in having a baby, meaning helping her find resources, um, helping her with her baby when I can, making it a little bit easier for her to be a mom. You know, how many times do young girls, single moms, And I'm going to talk about this because we just read a large group of Adventists. The largest group of Adventists is single moms. Okay, let me repeat that. The largest group within our churches are single moms. These are moms that made a choice to continue life in the midst of a very difficult situation. And the reason I can say that is because when you were down here in Georgia and I was still up in Wisconsin for those two and a half months, I had to raise our twins for two and a half months by myself. And those two and a half months were two of the hardest months of my life. I can't imagine what it is to be a single mom. And first and foremost, I want to give Huge props to the single moms out there and the single dads that are doing this, that are still holding down a job, 
while still taking care of their kids and taking care of business at home. You are amazing. And that you made that choice. It's, you should be proud of yourselves for making that choice to go forward and, and to continue to do it. And just, I pray that the Lord continues to help you to do that. And so as Christians, when, if there's an opportunity for us to, to be the example of Christ, he was there for widows and he was there for the tax collectors. He was there for sinners of all kinds. He was there for people who were hurting. It's our it's our duty to do that as well. If we truly want to be followers of Christ, that is our burden to be there. And so how many times has a young pregnant girl walked into our church and everyone has admonished her, has looked at her and said, oh, you sinner, I can't believe you did that. Or a single mom walks in and people are like, oh, where's the dad? Instead of asking those questions and pointing the finger, we all need to realize that we all fall short and we are all sinners. And that necessarily, when you look at someone, instead of seeing them as a sinner, Look at them as a child of God that you could encourage in their walk with Jesus. Be thankful they are stepping into your church instead of stepping into an abortion clinic. And think of how many young girls are out there that are making the choice to have an abortion because they are afraid to step into our church and being judged. You know, the, and that, that is a great point. You know, yes, they did make mistakes. We, we all, all do. do. We all do. But vis- visually, the single moms are the ones that are probably pinpointed the most because you have a kid or a child on the way. We need to cut them a little bit of slack because, for one thing, you don't know what situation they went through. That's right. You know, if it was a choice of their own to, you know, live in sin, whatever. But you have to ask yourself, is the best thing to be right? Or is the best thing to be a friend? To, to be a mentor? Because people that have gone through that kind of a stress aren't looking for you to chastise them. They already know Deep they're down, already feeling the burden. They're already feeling the burden. What they need is love. Is love. They don't need you to sit there and tell them that they need to go marry the other person or you should have done this and you shouldn't have done that. They need love. They need you to sit there to sometimes hold their hand, let them know it's going to be okay. And I'm going to help you do it. And uh, again, be intentional. Don't be intentional with your rebuke. Be intentional with the love that Jesus would have shown you had you been in the same situation. Exactly. And the truth that 
even in the choices that we make or in the situations that we're in or whatever happens along the way, Christ loves us through it all. Amen. He loves us through it all. And so just remind them that they are loved and that they are cared for and ask them, you know, is there anything that I can do within my power to help you? Because I look at our kids we have, for those who don't know, we have six-year-old twins. And instead of telling them, you know, if I were to go and say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. What are they going to do? They're going to rebel. So instead of saying, no, you can't do that, we give them choices and say, this is what's available to you. We can do this, or we can do this, or we could do this, or we could do this. And so it's, taking a negative and turning it into a positive. We do the same thing with the Ten Commandments. Instead of saying, thou shalt not, we need to put the emphasis on shall, not the not. Otherwise, the general public, uh, myself included, we do the same thing as the six-year-old. Well, why? Why Why won't you let me do that? You know, when, when you say no, that's that's the response that you're going to get is is not not well what can i do it's just why can't i do it and same thing goes for for things in the church right and so i just going back to the whole issue of abortion i would love to see what this world would look like if instead of rebuking people who have abortions or trying to ban people from having them, if we were to just go out and love people and in a lovingly way share God's truth with them, would they still choose it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think when you're faced with a situation and you feel hopeless, you're going to go with whatever avenue you feel gives you hope. But if you are given many avenues of hope, you're going to choose the one that's that's the most hopeful, the one that looks the best, the one that you know is the right choice. Now, granted, there are still going to be people that don't make that choice because we are human and we are sinners. But when are we going to, once again, be the image that God originally created us to be in his image. Because when I look at God, I see love. And I see open arms and someone who is willing to embrace me in whatever situation I'm in and someone who's willing to meet me where I am. And he's not going to say, I'm going to meet you here and I'm going to leave you here. He says, I'm going to meet you here. I want you to come with me. I want you to walk with me. He's not going to leave me where I'm at. And so why should we be any different? You know, in in the case of the the single parent, and I'll say parent because there's just as much single dads out there as, Mm -hmm. as there are single moms, hope doesn't have to be I'm going to pay for your kid's college. It can be as simple as, look, do you need a night off? You know, let me babysit your kid for you. Or, um, 
you know, take them shopping or, or, or something, but, you know, little deeds like that can go a long way for an overburdened parent. Right. Well, I think we're going to transition into the, uh, the final bit. Um, this is one that, uh, I, I think that Connie, Connie kind of secretly likes, um, this this allows her to uh, <laughs> to secretly. Uh, I don't to, think it's any secret. <laughs> it's 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 not any secret. Connie <laughs> likes to cry. Um, she likes touching stories, and uh, with that, uh, we'll roll into uh, this is Connie's tender bits. First of all, Josh, the credit goes to you because you were actually the one who sent me this story. And then you walked into the room and saw me crying. So it's only fitting that I share this story. There are just certain things that I, I know this is this is going to get Connie in the feels. So. And plus, we need to fill up, you know, hours and hours of podcast space. So. That's right. That's right. So why not do it with beautiful stories in this sad world we live in? Well, this comes from um, Little Things. Some of you may know Little Things on Facebook. They post touching stories all the time. And um, this took place in Vancouver, Washington at a Dutch Brothers Coffee. There was um, a woman who is a regular at Dutch Brothers Coffee who drove into the drive-thru she ordered her coffee and when she pulled up to the window to pay and to get her coffee the young man who was working at Dutch Brothers noticed something different that morning Um, when he saw the young woman he saw that she was distressed and emotional and she just she looked like her world was crashing around her Um, and so he had asked her you know are you okay what's going on and she opened up to him she could finally get the words out that her husband had passed away that morning and um, so this young man did what he could only think of doing and that was to reach out if you could see the picture he reaches out of the window first he grabs two of his friends and he says you got to come over here we got to pray for this lady he, three of them are like kind of holding each other out of this window. They're reaching into this woman's car. And I think the term is they pretty much were dogpiled out of the window. Yes, yes. So it's just these three young men with their arms outstretched on this woman and just praying for her. And the, the picture is taken by another person who is a few cars back and she's wondering what's taking so long and all of a sudden she sees this young man and two of his friends hang out of this window and she sees that they're praying over this woman and she takes a picture and um so these three young men they pray for her they they give her her coffee they say you know this one's on us and anytime you need to come back and and talk about things you can come back and you know We'll give you more coffee, and, and we'd be happy to share with you again. And um, later on, they had showed the manager she had seen the story on the news, and she's like, "Oh, that's awesome! It happened at a Dutch Brothers coffee." And then she saw the three young men, and she's like, 
those are my employees and she was just so excited but I just thought this is once again a story of being intentional this young man could have said I'm so sorry you know I'll be praying for you but instead he stopped what he was doing even though there were people in line that day and they it was the morning rush he grabbed two of his friends and they prayed over this woman right in the drive-thru and so I just thought that that story was fitting for our episode of Intent versus Intentional, and I pray that each of you, you know, can take something from this podcast and use it in your ministry or in your daily walk, or if you have anything that you have found that works with being intentional, please share it with us. Well, thank you, Connie. That uh, that concludes our <laughs> our episode of uh, Connie's Tender Bits. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, we've, we've been brainstorming. We've put together a, a list of topics that we would like to cover. Uh, so far, we've got it. Uh, what are we at? Episode three right now? Yes. We, we've got it currently mapped out to about episode 10. So, um, which is all flexible, especially if we have uh, any uh, special guests that want to appear on the show. Uh, but uh, episode four, I think that we're going to go into the uh, the millennials, which is, is kind of a hot topic in church these days. Yes. And it's a passion for me. Uh, it is a passion for Connie. And <laughs> she she cries over over <laughs> the millennials flocking out of the church, which is, is a sad thing. I, yes. I don't I don't mean to make light over it, but um we will be talking about millennials serving in the church. So, I don't know, it might, might be a touchy subject. I mean, they are the youth of the church. No, they are the church. They are the church, and that's right. So, uh, that's coming up. Um, let's see. We're just going to go down the rundown here. TMI. What is TMI. Not too, what you think. Too much information? Total member involvement. This is a, it's not even a, a North American division thing. This is this is straight to the top. Uh, General Conference. Uh, we, we heard the General Conference president um, uh, pitching this one. So uh, stay tuned for TMI. Uh, you offend me. <laughs> this could be fun (laughs) if you've been on social media within the past year you know all about this absolutely i I don't think that it's i don't is it possible not to be offended nowadays it's a good question um boastful christians boastful Mm. christians that that might be an interesting one there um let's see after that we have god self family church in that order uh and i will actually be taking the lead on that one um the passively aggressive christian (laughs) this is one of my favorites passive aggressive (laughs) that that is a term that is thrown thrown out there so much these days yeah passive aggressive behavior we've all been a part of it but ooh. It it's, is not Christ-like. It is not Christ-like. 
and um, why we like the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So we have uh, quite a bit of, um, of content here. Uh, got some uh, funny stories in there, so it's not all going to be uh, covered with uh, tender bits. Uh, but um, I'm sure Connie will uh, will surprise us with a with a few that come in. Uh, again, if you find some, uh, make sure to send those to Connie at yes, uh, please dobson.connie at gmail.com. Um, so let's see here. Well, hopefully, we'll have some scrambled egg whites for people too. Scrambled egg whites, yes. Because we all know. She can be abused. This is this is right. Um, and uh, let's see. I'm going to throw a little pitch in here because I am the, the communications uh, person at our church. Uh, we do promote Project Rise. We do uh, uh, Project Rise, the podcast here. Uh, we do um, kind of give an overview of what's coming up, letting you know when a new episode is posted. So uh, go to GainesvilleAdventist.org. And uh, sign up for the Revival Online newsletter. It's uh, good stuff. And, and it's that's, good stuff. That's something that uh, both uh, uh, Connie and I contribute to. Mostly Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want uh, all of the announcements and stuff for the Gainesville uh, Church and as well some uh, extra stories uh, on a weekly basis, uh, go ahead and sign up for uh, Revival Online. So uh, what do you say we call this a wrap here? Yeah, it's getting late. And I, I apologize. We weren't able to uh, to get it done on Saturday night. So it's going to be basically two in a couple of days. But I'm excited. Okay. Well, that uh, concludes episode three of uh, RiseCast. So uh, until next time, uh, rise up and get out there and be intentional. Amen. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Good night. Good night.